before we go to like the doctor's perspective or the chief medical officer or the digital health perspective, just think about it from like your grandmother's perspective. Like when do you need a prescription for something? You need a prescription for something when it's risky, when it's dangerous, when maybe it could interact with something else. Maybe you have to limit the amount that is in the population for various reasons, like for antibiotic resistance or something. There's reasons to have a prescription. But the reason why a lot of the prescription digital therapeutic companies have it is for none of those reasons. It's just to make payment easy. Welcome to the Digital Therapeutics Edition of Digital Health Today, and I'm your host, Eugene Berhovich. I thoroughly enjoy bringing you discussions with incredible industry leaders in every episode, and it would mean a lot to me if you could rate the podcast in your favorite player and hit that bell to be notified of future episodes. In the previous episode, I spoke with Alberta Spifico, Global Head of Digital Health and Innovation Strategy at Healthware Group. In their own words, Healthware combines advisory agency services and technology capabilities to improve health outcomes while delivering transformational business results. Today, I speak with Amar Manajwala, Chief Medical Officer at Dario Health. In their own words, Dario Health makes it easy for people to care for their health with continuous and connected support that anticipates needs, understands motivation, and simplifies behavior change to put better health and outcomes in everyone's reach. But before we dive in, the team at Dario Health reached out to have Omar on as a guest. And while I have been following the company for a while, I never considered Dario as a digital therapeutic. As there's a lot of questions in the industry about sustainability of standalone PDTs, and my own question on season one about DTX versus disease management 2.0, I decided to get to know Omar and Dario a bit deeper. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Omar. Omar, welcome to the DTX podcast. I've actually been watching Dario Health from, gosh, I'm going to age myself a bit. And I think I still had some hair at the time. So great to have you on this podcast. And for all our listeners, would love for you to give us a little bit of your own background. And don't forget about one interesting small fact about yourself or a big fact. First, I want to say that I've really been enjoying the podcast. It's really great to be with you here today. Thank you. I'm a psychiatrist by background. So I spent a lot of my career working in every imaginable psychiatric setting, then migrated towards working in digital health. And today I'm the chief medical officer, as you mentioned, of Dari Health. I'm interested in behavior change and how we can drive changes in habits at scale for populations using technology to drive improvements in clinical and financial outcomes. I think we all know that the whole beast of healthcare is getting more expensive and in many ways less efficient and technology does offer an opportunity to do that if it's done in the right way. And an interesting fact about me. So I started at Dario the week that the pandemic hit. In other words, the week of the, the national shutdown was my first week. And so I thought, well, okay, I need to get some hobbies here because we're going to be shut down for a while. I had that sense actually. And so I picked up two hobbies. One was studying Korean. And I've been studying Korean four hours a week for three years. And the other was playing guitar. And I got a guitar teacher on Zoom for a bluegrass guitar. So I've been messing around with those as well. And I spend a little time on the devices you see behind me. Not as much as I should probably, but yeah. So that's been how it's been and some interesting facts. Yeah. That's pretty amazing couple of hobbies. And uh, maybe the next podcast we'll record, you'll be actually walking on the treadmill behind you. And speaking in Korean, playing guitar. <laughs> there you go. That's what we're going to try to do next time. 
So I know, as you mentioned, you just joined when we hit the pandemic in 2020. However, the company dates back to 2011 and would love for you maybe to take us back a little bit in time. I'm sure part of your onboarding was a bit of the history. Why was the company even formed? So maybe a little bit of the founding story, but also interestingly, I mean, you guys have been in operation now about 12 years. Any sort of major pivots along the way that you've discussed with the founders? So Erez Rafael, who's our CEO now, was not the founder, but actually worked in product. And then because of the type of person he is and his brilliance was ultimately became CEO. That itself is a story way too long for the podcast, but <laughs> I did interview him when I arrived and really grilled him on the history of the company. And really the company was founded ultimately with the idea of how can we give access to behavior change to as many people as possible. And the company started in direct-to-consumer and started in diabetes, but even at that point, it was very clear that that was not the end game. The idea was to learn as much as quickly as possible, develop something that people love, which is only possible in consumerized solutions. Nobody loves using their health plan portal. Nobody wakes up and thinks, okay, wait, when can I log in? And you're never going to get great reviews for something like that, for your hospital or something like that, for your med record, but... It's definitely not addictive. Exactly. But with these kinds of solutions, you can. So that was the idea. Learn as much as possible. So really developed a extraordinary direct-to-consumer diabetes platform that combined an app, which people love. I think it's got like 20,000 reviews in the Apple App Store, 4.9 out of 5 stars. So people love it. Some novel device, like this is the glucometer I'm holding up here. Dara is not a device company, but they developed this because people who had diabetes didn't have a simple device to use that didn't have to be plugged in and could be taken everywhere and, you know, converts the phone into a glucometer. So that was the idea. And ultimately then coaching. The idea is, yeah, you do need a human component here. It's just not technology. And, you know, I love chat GPT as much as the next guy. And sure, I'll use it to write a song in Spanish or something. But it, ultimately, it's not at the stage where we can really ditch the personal relationship and the connection, but we can use the technology to scale those relationships just as you're doing with your company. So that kind of was the thinking. And then I joined, well, before me, Rick Anderson joined and really with the mandate of expanding this to B2B2C. And then I came in also with the mandate of supporting that expansion and expanding the clinical conditions. So we built a pre-diabetes program. We built a hypertension program. We then did some strategic acquisitions. We acquired a behavioral health company and integrated their solutions. We acquired musculoskeletal, two companies and integrated the idea here was what conditions are driven by behaviors, occur very commonly, are very expensive and painful, and overlap with each other. And that's how we got to these. And that's where we are today with over 250,000 members on platform. We announced we were going to sign 100 B2B to C contracts. We did that last year. Major strategic partnerships, which we've announced. The macro environment is tough right now. It is. But for Dario, things are really looking good. Let's actually touch on that because I don't know how many people that listen to this podcast or stumble on this know that Dario, I would say, was one of the first digital health companies that actually went public. It's always tough to be in kind of the eye of the shareholders with full transparency. Curious how the executive team is looking, especially given the market dynamics now at this. I think in some ways a psychiatrist is the wrong person to ask, but I will tell you this. We're in a good spot. We've got good runway. We've got great talent in place. And the nice thing about these kinds of moments here, a lot of times we get customers 
who have been burned by companies that are venture backed that either just fold overnight. In fact, we had one situation where we got in because the venture backed vendor they were using just disappeared. And so people like stability. People like the ability that, you know, it's up in Kimono. You can go look at our financials. You know where we stand. You want to partner for the long haul? Take a look at where we are and know that. And some folks are concerned hypothetically by the idea of, well, you have to disclose so much in your financials. So do you lose competitive advantage? But our competitive advantage is not determined by sentences in a 10K. It's determined by our capabilities, which we've developed robustly. And how long does it take to develop 10 years of consumerized user experience? Well, it takes 10 years. So the new entrants can't do that. And that's a source of advantage as well. I think that in a lot of ways, it's possible to say that maybe Dario went public too early. I think some people might say that. I'm not expert in such areas. But what I can tell you is that today, it inspires a lot of confidence when we go to customers around, hey, you can see where we are, where we stand. We're not going anywhere. We're very well capitalized and we're a good, good spot here. So I think that's an advantage. I have to say, as you kind of CYA'd yourself a little bit, talking about this as a psychiatrist, you did pretty well. So kudos on that. Let's jump to maybe uh, more exciting topics for you. I would say you guys are not a typical digital therapeutics company as defined by the DTA. Yes, there's software interventions, but there's human around it. And on the season one of this podcast, I used to ask the question, and I think I'm going to start resurrecting it as we go forward, is it digital therapeutics standalone versus disease management 2.0, as I would sort of frame Dario in there? How do you look at the two together, separately, standalone? What are your thoughts on this? At times, we've been very attracted to the DTX label because I think we are. We contain digital therapeutics in our product, for sure. And at times, we've felt some trepidation about that, too, because our objective is very clear, which is we want to drive behavior change that improves financial outcomes and clinical reduction. We'll use any tool available to do that at scale. And if something is necessary to produce that change, we're going to use it. And it turns out that human interventions are necessary. Technology can empower that and make it much, much more efficient. So a small number of people can treat and support a larger number of people. As we think about these things strategically, we're not bound by the label of digital therapeutic. We love what they're doing. We're actively involved in DTX, but we also understand that both for competitive differentiation, but also just for efficacy, We've got to combine a lot of things to produce outcomes. We've got to use contracting mechanisms. We've got to use outreach technologies that are sometimes analog along with digital. We've got to use human beings sometimes. So we combine the best of these things to drive outcomes, less so than being, say, bound by a particular definition. I mean, we're not a pair or Achilles or something like this. We're not a robot. We're not a purely tech-driven. And, you know, there may be a place for such things, I think, but our objective is to drive the change that our customers need in an efficient way and to bring the tools to bear to do that, but to do so that can be done at scale. So I think the term digital therapeutic has served us well and we continue to use it at times, but you're right, we are more than that. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with Omar Manajwala, Chief Medical Officer at Dario Health. You actually mentioned pair therapeutics. Obviously, just recently, we've seen the press release, the announcement, we've seen the Chapter 11 filing since then. As a medical doctor, your thoughts on the future of a prescription digital therapeutic as a standalone? 
even before I joined, I was asked often about my opinion on prescription digital therapeutics. And I was not excited by this. I had interacted with many of the folks at some of the companies that you mentioned, many hours of conversations over the years. And we've often been asked, why didn't you guys take that kind of bet and take that approach? And I've been very strongly against Dario taking that angle. I'm not saying there isn't a place in the world for it. Just think about it. Before we go to like the doctor's perspective or the chief medical officer or the digital health perspective, just think about it from like your grandmother's perspective. Like, when do you need a prescription for something? You need a prescription for something when it's risky, when it's dangerous, when maybe it could interact with something else. Maybe you have to limit the amount that is in the population for various reasons, like for antibiotic resistance or something. There's reasons to have a prescription. But the reason why a lot of the prescription digital therapeutic companies have it is for none of those reasons. It's just to make payment easy. And they made a bet that this would make payment easy. And then when it didn't make payment easy, they got upset and they started to blame various players within the ecosystem. But these players are known quantities. The health plan wants to save money. So if you can't prove your value proposition to them, you can't blame them. I mean, you blame your business model. So I think there might be a place for these things going forward. And I'm, I'm glad that there's a broad array, you know, rising tide, hopefully will float all boats. But just from a pure like pass the grandmother test, it didn't work for me. And then the other thing is that digital therapeutics, the biggest challenge is engagement. Everybody knows that. How do you get people to use anything? Now, first of all, if you're not consumer-based, no one's going to use it. No one's going to use it unless it's really awesome to use and easy to use and very consumerized. But how many people do you have to convince before a human being gets help from this tool? And in the case of a prescription digital therapeutic, you've got to convince the person and you have to explain to them, hey, okay, it's weird, it's a prescription, but you know, it's actually an app. And well, how is it different from my others? Okay, well, you've eaten up 10 minutes of my time now. Then you got to convince the doctor that this is worth prescribing. I sound like a negative Indian, I'm not. I think there's a place. But with doctors burned out, you want them to do more now? Why don't we introduce digital therapeutics that help doctors do less? Don't ask me to figure out how to prescribe this, go and prescribe it, spend extra time in the record. No. Instead, why not just deploy tools to people that help them and make it easy for me, the doctor, to see the data and to make decisions based on it? Instead of solving the multiple problems, it created additional problems through a trick that was designed to make payment flow faster that backfired and then the players were blaming the other players. I think it's very sad. I mean, I'm being a little glib about it, but it's sad the number of people that have lost their jobs, and it's sad that this shutdown is occurring, and it's sad about the investments lost. And I also think it was an important chapter because it was an experiment that needed to be tested, and it's not over. Someone will get this right. But at the end of the day, do I really believe that the chronic condition problems of the world are going to be solved by prescription digital therapeutics? Call me still skeptical on it. It's interesting, and I think we'll get to that a little bit later, but your coach's logo is a Hito, which is a person. And our comment is that self-paced tools and digital therapies are here. They're here to stay. They will evolve. But you always need a human to lean on, hence our logo. Nice. I like that. Let's get into a little bit more of Dario's business. As many, Dario has started, as you alluded to, diabetes. You kind of went through a little bit of the roadmap, how you guys evolved. Let's dive a little bit deeper into the trigger point in that crowded space of diabetes and especially in your twist into B2B. And then if you can allude to anything in the pipeline, I know you guys are publicly held companies, so I'm sure there's some restriction to that, but we'd love to hear what you can. 
So you think about diabetes as crowded, why go into diabetes? Well, first of all, when we looked in diabetes, there wasn't a lot in the direct consumer. So there's a lot of solutions out there that were designed to change employer behavior, but not the solutions that were really good at changing people's behavior and helping people. And since engagement is the primary problem in digital health, you might be able to convince X Fortune 1000 company or Fortune 100, even Fortune 10 to sign up with you. But if you can't convince those employees and their family members to use it because it's actually helping them, because we're consumerized, that means that we understand that what matters to people is often far more important than what's the matter with people. And so taking that kind of lens is really important. And that's why we started diabetes because so behaviorally tied and there was such an absence. As I mentioned, we're not a device company, but if you just looked at the ecosystem, you saw a lot of these devices that were large and had big cases, separate lancing mechanisms, separate strips, and you got to plug it in, Bluetooth connectivity. Am I really going to use it? What if I need it at work? What if I need it in the bathroom at the, you know, Applebee's or whatever? I can't, it's not small. It's not next to the thing that I always have, which is my phone. So we knew we had to do that. And we knew that we needed something that people love to use, which there was. And I mean, you can open your app store, look at the apps, and people generally don't like using these things. So we knew we had to win there, but also that that was a starting place. And then, as I mentioned, going after conditions where if you change 50 or 100 things that a person does, get a big impact on ER visits, inpatient stays, HEDIS metrics for down the road, and cost of care and quality metrics. And so we knew we had to go after those kinds of conditions. So then high blood pressure was naturally next since half the people with diabetes also have high blood pressure and prediabetes since it's a continuum. And that was natural. And then what really overlaps in this behavior? Well, behavioral health, I mean, there's such a large prevalence of depression, anxiety, and stress, a lot of overlap there. So that made sense. There was a need for a digital front door and an ability to screen folks and navigate them. And our way forward acquisition really helped with that. So that was big and kind of got us in the door on national parent. And then MSK with chronic pain. And in terms of the roadmap, you asked about the roadmap of the future. What I can say on the product side is that Dario focuses on conditions where behaviors, prevalence, and cost intersect and that overlap with the other conditions we cover. And so then anybody can probably get a cocktail napkin and list those. Love it. Don't have a cocktail napkin in front of me to show you, but we'll save that for another day. On that note, you mentioned the front door. Maybe you can walk us through and pick a disease state or therapeutic area, but you can also go broadly. Can you walk us through what that patient customer experience using Dario is like? Sure, absolutely. So I think first and foremost, in the B2B2C environment, it involves identifying who would best benefit. So if you look at a health plan's population or employer population, who has one of these conditions, depression, prediabetes, hypertension, and those identifications can happen in many different ways. Let's just use the health plan example. A lot of times the health plans have already identified a group that they want to go after. These are our folks with diabetes or high blood pressure. A lot of times it's, what are the conditions you cover? Let's deploy the suite against that. Or we can ingest the claims and conduct analytics there and find out who's eligible that way. And so both models are really run in parallel and can work very easily. But once we figure out like, okay, who needs this? Then we conduct outreach. It's digital first, but we also have other ways of outreaching. We've got deployments with factories where folks are not checking their phones a lot. I mean, they're on the floor working, they get their breaks. So you need something in the break room. So we use creative ways of outreach, but digital first here, you know, it could involve a postcard and other things too, but get folks engaged and get them on board. And then there is the ability to download the application, to speak with an onboarding specialist, 
to get connected with a coach and that coaching can support you through the application. And then you begin your journey. And so those journeys are dynamically personalized. So each person based on their background, based on their initial conditions, but also based on how they use the application and the coaching over time will get a dynamically adjusted. And that's a differentiator because if you use a lot of digital health solutions, they will say that they personalize it, but what they really mean is, eh, you'll start in one of these states and this is a journey you'll get. Maybe a few months later, it'll adjust, but this kind of dynamic responsivity is absent. So Dario personalizes by timing, tone, channel, content that you get, the frequency of those messages, the intervention that's recommended, all that's dynamically adapted to you so that if you're focusing on diabetes, but let's say maybe you hurt your back, all right, then no amount of nudging you like I'm a believer in the nudge too, but no matter nudging you to check your blood sugar is gonna work. You're gonna delete the app, you're gonna stop taking the calls. But if I can focus on what matters to you and monitor for those signals and then provide support for your back pains, provide support for your depression, anxiety, all within an integrated journey that doesn't require me to have many different coaches, many different solutions. So that simplification from the user's perspective, I trust that you can cover what's important to me. And then from the health plan's perspective, it's simple because you don't have to contract with, you know, 47 different vendors and you can have a lot of savings from that integration as well. So there's a lot of advantages to this kind of unified experience, but the member's experience is very consumerized. It's very simple. It's very intuitive, easy to use kind of experience. And that's the reason why when you look at the app, you got that. Well, that sound means it's time for a question from my amazing partner on this podcast, Chandana Fitzgerald, who is the CEO of Health Excel, and as her friends call her, Dr. No Crack. Let's see what question Chandana has for our guest today. Hey, Omar. Can you talk a little bit about your clinical differentiation from your competitors? Thanks, Chandana. Yeah. So first of all, I think that's super important because if you don't differentiate clinically, then you end up in this crowded space of me too's and everybody's alike. And Dario has a number of differentiations. Number one is we integrate at the clinical level between the conditions. I'll give an example. If you have diabetes and you use a diabetes solution, then you'll get a recommendation for diabetes meals and how to eat. With Dario, if you happen to be away from home, we use the GPS and we give you suggestions on how to eat out. But if you have hypertension too, you get suggestions on how to eat out if you have diabetes and hypertension, which is different. And so getting that clinical integration, multi-condition clinical integration is super important. And then the other differentiator is just around the evidence itself. I mean, the proof points, and it's really important to generate a broad array of evidence across several different conditions. And as usual, I'm gonna hop in here. So let's actually follow Chandana's question and dive maybe just one level below I noticed on the website, there's quite a lot of clinical studies and everything that you guys are referencing. So just touch on that quickly, but one level below. Multiple studies, studies that are multi-year long. So we've got two-year outcome studies, which is really important. A lot of digital health companies are going to market with three months, six month outcomes. Well, if you're in a health plan, you don't stick around for three months or six months. So you need the time horizon to match. So long-term studies, large studies, Multi-condition studies. So what happens when you have multiple conditions? Dara's got clinical outcomes. There are a variety of approaches to studies with retrospective. And then also, and this is unique in the space, partnered with Sanofi. Now they took our data and they are studying us and they are going to publish outcomes. We don't have control over that. So that's a risky thing to do. 
But at the same time, it creates a level of validation, especially in real world evidence, because when you look at a lot of these digital health companies, they publish their own research. That's great. But if that's all there is, what can I trust? Whereas if a company were to just simply give its data, tokenize anonymized data to another company and say, you know, study this, figure out how this matches up with lab data and claims data and publish the outcomes. And we're at your mercy, third party. And that's going to leapfrog competition in terms of evidence. So we got a lot of studies, range of studies, multiple conditions, long-term, very large studies, multiple study designs. And now I think for the first time, independent, audited, sort of peer-reviewed research outside of Dario, of Dario's solution is going to be a game changer. I usually jump into different channels, but I think based on what we talked about, you guys started as direct to consumer, moved to B2B, health plans, large employers. You just alluded to the Sanofi relationship. Can you maybe expand a little bit more? How did that even come about? How did it form? And aside from that, let's call it independent study of the data, what are some other parameters around that relationship? Pharma has tried to marry digital health several times. We know there's failures. There was the original pair failure and other failures as well. Even Sanofi had had partnerships that didn't work out. So part of that was knowing what you're looking for and what the use case is. And I'll say the least interesting partnership between pharma and digital health is, hmm, let's pair a pill with your app. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't have value, but that is absolutely the least interesting case. I mean, pharma has massive infrastructure around research, massive commercialization capabilities, all sorts of incredible technologies and infrastructure, and DTX lacks all of that. And so the real valuable marriages are not product marriages, they're strategic relationships. And so Sanofi was looking for expanding beyond the doctor's visit, extending that reach further. Their mission is to chase the miracles of science that make healing possible. And so we saw digital health as one such miracle. And I think that they did too, not to speak for them, but I think that like there was this view of like, okay, let's partner in a variety of ways. So the partnership actually had four different components. And one of those, as we mentioned, was the research. Another was the commercialization capability. I mean, they've got a deep commercialization workforce. They've got all these relationships in place. So that's true too. There's also co-development of product where Sanofi and Dara are working together to build solutions. That's going really well too. And then we also have the investment capabilities where Sanofi has the ability to invest in Dara. So these are deep strategic kinds of relations. That's where the real value is going to be seen. And we're excited about it. That's pretty amazing because uh, to your point, Sanofi and many other pharmaceutical companies have been dancing around digital health. So it's good to see some concrete partnerships scaling in the space. Let's touch on one more key component that's near and dear to my heart and your coach's heart. The leveraging of this amazing workforce that, while non-clinical, is trained in many of actually similar techniques as therapists, right? Motivational interviewing, behavior change techniques, and others. Can you talk a little bit more and what you're seeing on the ground or in the front lines of clinically significant outcomes, but leveraging coaching as part of the health and care team? Dario has published specifically on this area. So we've published on with coaching and without coaching and the differences when you add coaching and what happens to the clinical metrics. We've got a lot of published research on this question. And what we've found is that it has to be personalized. It's not binary. It's not simply a matter of turn on the coaching, turn off the coaching, but there are characteristics, there's frequency, there's engagement related factors, who needs coaching, how much they need, all of that can drive the outcomes. 
And what is the nature of that coaching? And in some ways, coaching is sort of like a, a knowledgeable health friend, someone who really has your back and can kind of go to bat for you and is there for you and can help with personalized goals in the way that is most useful to you and within your life in a non-disruptive way. Some people don't call me, do not call me, text me. Don't text me, just give me a message in the app. Let me have full control over this. A lot of times, if someone's not responding or doing, and I alluded to this earlier, if someone's not doing something well, a lot of times the digital health company, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So you just increase your frequency and then you annoy people. What you really have to do is broaden and understand how can I drive value for this person? And it really is a team because we have our coaches and then we have our expert coaches like dietitians and pharmacists and stuff like that. So we come together as a team, we wrap around, provide the level of support that's the right level of support. Sometimes that means reducing the amount of intervention. Sometimes it means increasing. Timing is really important. Channels important. But these things really work together to drive outcomes. Now, of course, we all know we want to do this at scale. We want to do this inexpensively. We want to do this in a way that serves as many people as possible. But we also need efficacy. And the sweet spot of those things involves personalization. And um, we've got a few digital health companies in the space that are really hammering hard on the coaching alone for this. And I think it's really the combination and the smart integration of these items that's going to drive sustainable, efficient outcomes across conditions. Music to our ears, as I said. As we're nearing the end here, Dario has been around the block now, probably one of the older digital health companies. And I know while you just entered a couple of years back, would love for you to give maybe a little bit of an advice to some entrepreneurs that are entering the space. Sure. I've been involved in some incubators. I regularly teach at one and talk to a lot of entrepreneurs as well. And to be an entrepreneur, you need a certain amount of resilience, a certain amount of arrogance, if you will. But I think that you've got to couple that with the ability to learn from the existing ecosystem. I think a lot of entrepreneurs that I meet are not willing to look clearly at what's already been done, or they poo-poo it or dismiss it too quickly. If you want to get a quick path to value, it really involves a much deeper and non-defensive analysis of the ecosystem. Rather than trying to prove how you're different, seek to understand deeply what's already been done so that your competitive maps are real rather than you up here in the quadrant and everybody else is somewhere else. That is a bad sign. I want a nuanced, deep understanding of the ecosystem, how you're different and what you're going to do if it turns out you're not. Love it. So we started with you and actually would love to end this episode with you. What makes you get up in the morning outside of the treadmill or the Peloton behind you? I think it's a cliche answer, but certainly my kids. But I think about my kids, I think about the future, the world that they're going into with medical costs getting out of control, with America getting increasingly obese, with chronic conditions worsening. It's not a sustainable path. And my passion is let's find a way to break that and bend that. People have been talking about it for a long time. Doctors have been wanting to change behavior forever. But now we've got a tool in your pocket that maybe can help do that. It's team effort. I think the rising tide is going to float all the boats. We do need to quickly understand that prescription digital therapeutics are not the only way. That was one experiment that I'm not terribly excited about, but that there's a broad array of digital health that can really drive outcomes. And let's work together to make that happen. I know we're doing it at Daria and you guys are too. Omar, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Great to be here. Thanks for tuning into the Digital Therapeutics Edition of Digital Health Today, a production of Mission Based Media. 
Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player so you're automatically notified each time I speak with one of these amazing leaders and trailblazers who are forging the path for digital therapeutics. If you'd like to learn more about Your Coach Health or Health Excel, you can find the links to this and more in the show notes for this episode. I'm Eugene Borohovich, and catch you next time. Thank you.